Welcome to this month's episode of Sound Science with me, your host, Adotsi Wando Pierce. This month's episode is all about our habits, routines, and rituals. I'm going to reveal a few things you might not know about what's going on in the brain when we form, carry out, and break habits. And I chat with Robin Landau and Yasmin Shamir, hosts of a new podcast, Roots and Ritual, about the ideas and inspirations behind their project and what we can look forward to learning. But first, here's Hot Chip over and over. One way to think of habits is as behaviors that we do frequently, almost without thinking. Some habits we try to create and work hard to incorporate into our general behavior, while others we'd love to abolish forever, but often cannot so powerfully do they control our behavior. It's usually good habits that we're trying to establish and bad habits that we want to overcome, but either way, we spend a large proportion of our waking lives acting according to our habits. So let's get personal for a minute. I'm going to tell you my number one worst habit, along with some good ones, and hopefully it will inspire you to think about some of yours. So here goes. I'm not sure when I picked up this habit, but I can't remember when I didn't do this. So when I wake up, I reach over to my bedside table where my phone is charging and you guessed it, probably because you do it too, I'll look at my phone. First, WhatsApp. A lot of my family and friends are in the UK and eight hours ahead, so I'll usually have a bunch of messages waiting for me. Next, my email. The truth is that what's usually waiting for me is just the same seven or eight emails that I should unsubscribe from receiving, but instead just delete one by one until getting to that one legit one. (laughs) Then finally, Instagram, where I'll scroll my feed for a little while until my cat Stedman inserts himself between my hand and my screen, and I suddenly realize I'm not actually looking at anything. So I know this sounds really bad, but my saving grace is that I'll then hit my meditation app and meditate for at least 10 minutes before ticking off a number of far more admirable habits like reading, journaling, making my bed, exercising, making my special herbal tea from scratch, listening to the news, eating breakfast after which I always wash the dishes having a shower with essential oils and mindfully breathing in the aroma within the steam, always moisturize, always put on sunscreen, getting dressed and then feeding my cat Stedman at 9am sharp. Whether good or bad or neutral, habits can have great power over our behavior. When deeply rooted, they can block some alternate, maybe more useful behaviors and pull others into the habitual repertoire. Early on, habits were quite broadly defined, but a lot of current work on habit learning in neuroscience has pulled away from the broad view in an effort to define habit in a way that makes it easier to study scientifically. Now the characteristics of habits are defined as number one, mostly learned, acquired through experience, dependent plasticity, which I'll come back to. Two, 
repeated over the course of days or years, and they can become remarkably fixed. Three, almost automatic, virtually non-conscious, allowing attention to be focused elsewhere. Four, tend to involve an ordered, structured action sequence that is prone to being elicited by a particular context or stimulus. And finally, five can comprise cognitive expressions of routine, so either habits of thought as well as motor expressions of routine, like actions. Aristotle said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. Habits and routines are woven into the fabric of our personal and social lives as humans and can lead to really great things. However, as helpful as habits can be in daily life, they can lead to addiction and become dominant and intrusive in neuropsychiatric disorders, including obsessive compulsive disorder, Tourette syndrome, and other so-called OC spectrum disorders, which has driven much research into fully understanding habits and in the process teaching us a lot of what we know. So what's going on in the brain when we form and carry out habits and how do we break them? Habits are in short, automated, repeated behaviors. Habits have three components, which form a loop. You have a cue, which triggers a behavior, the behavior is carried out, and then the behavior is rewarded, which involves the release of a chemical signal called dopamine. And this makes us do it again the next time a cue comes along and the loop gets repeated over and over again, getting stronger every time. As we repeat this loop, changes in the brain occur which is referred to as neuroplasticity. A network of neurons start forming connections and get thicker and stronger as they become wrapped in myelin, a fatty sheath formed by surrounding cells called oligodendrocytes. This fatty sheath insulates the neurons in a way that makes them signal more efficiently. In other words, it becomes super easy to carry out the behavior, so much so we don't have to think about it. A perfect example about pretty terrifying is driving, which if you live in LA, you probably do every day. So this happens because the brain is a stickler for energy efficiency. The brain only weighs 2% of our body weight, but uses up 20% of our energy supply. To manage that energy, the brain has evolved to make important behaviors use up less energy. The thicker the connections are between neurons, the less energy the brain needs to perform a behavior and activate the neuron. The thing is, the brain judges the behaviors that are repeated as important. It doesn't evaluate the value of the behavior, whether it's good or bad for us, just that since we keep repeating it and getting these bursts of dopamine, it must be important. Neuroscientists have attributed our habit-making behavior to a group of structures found deep within the cerebral hemispheres called the basal ganglia, which also plays a key role in development of emotions, memories, and pattern recognition. So when you drive to work, activity within your basal ganglia takes over. Conscious decisions, on the other hand, are made at the front of the brain in the prefrontal cortex. So imagine if one day the road is blocked, you have to quickly recalculate and adjust your path to follow the best alternative route. This kind of cognitive flexibility overrides habits and is possessed by animals that have relatively large brains like humans and primates. As soon as a behavior becomes automatic, activity in the decision-making part of your brain decreases and it kind of goes into sleep mode. 
Awareness is everything when it comes to breaking habits, re-engaging the prefrontal cortex, bringing our subconscious behaviors into our consciousness again. By paying attention and making slow but consistent changes, we can interrupt these neural pathways, weakening them and start making stronger alternative connections that better serve us. Equally, forming habits is simply about repetition. So one way to succeed at this is to change the cue or the reward. For example, switching up the context or environment that usually triggers the behavior. So if you want to give up coffee yet find yourself stopping for coffee every morning on your way to work because you pass the same coffee shop, try going a different route. And if you find coffee rewarding because it makes you feel good to sip on something as you drive along listening to the radio, then try sipping on a different beverage in a portable mug that you made at home. If you want to start exercising in the morning, then lay out your workout stuff on your bed. And if the endorphins don't do the trick, then create a chart that you can tick off at the end of the workout to provide an additional sense of reward, or maybe make a smoothie that is super healthy, but very tasty as your reward. Okay, so a habit is an action we do often in a regular and repeated way, but a routine is a regular way of doing things in a particular order. The main difference between habit and routine is that habit is recurrent with little or no conscious thought, whereas routine requires a high degree of intention and effort. So what's the difference between a routine and a ritual? While a routine is about achieving a goal, a ritual is all about the meaning in the process. Interestingly, habits and rituals, both personal and social, involve the basal ganglia, but as we'll soon find out, engaging in ritual is far from a subconscious behavior. Next up, my interview with Robin Landau and Yasmin Shamir from the new podcast, Roots and Ritual. But first, here's Ritual Union by Little Dragon. Roots and Ritual is a new podcast series hosted by Yasmin Shamir and Robin Landau, which takes the listener on an immersive sensory experience for a deeper connection to cultures across the world through an understanding of the spirited rituals, ceremonies and practices that make them unique. While every culture is distinct, they hope to draw connection between practices past and present, so we might uncover ways we can move through our lives and our world with more meaning. With far-reaching impact on mental health, community bonding, sense of self and connection to nature, rituals have been used across time to bring human beings closer together. Roots and ritual ignites curiosity and a sense of connection to these cultures and practices to inspire new ways of seeing the world with greater empathy, understanding and compassion. Yasmin Shamir is a natural-born creative with a passion for communication. Yasmin expresses through many mediums, Thanks to a career in music, traveling became a big part of Yasmin's story, leading her to co-found Trippin alongside Kay Sangbor and Sam Beckinsop in 2017. Trippin has since become a leading travel and culture platform focused on amplifying local voices and creating powerful content that inspires its audience to travel more purposefully. Yasmin relocated to Mexico in 2018 and has been involved in various community projects from health and fitness to music, art, and spirituality, pursuing her passion to connect people with things that make them feel good. As a person of dual heritage, Yasmin explores cultural practices with sincerity, celebrating the diversity of human experience and seeking common threads that unite us all. 
She sees Roots in Ritual as an opportunity to take listeners on a journey, introducing them to people, places and practices that have much to teach us if we're willing to listen. In an exploration of the connected body, co-curator and producer Robin Landau's work in neuroaesthetics explores the neuroscience of well-being, uncovering how our aesthetic experiences in the world impact our brains and bodies. She seeks to bring greater understanding to the intangible or less visible aspects which shape our well-being today, in the belief that with greater understanding, we can have more agency to move through the world with meaning and integrity. By working at the intersection of sound, science, art and technology, Robin builds practical tools and creative applications to help enhance experiences with the everyday and has helped craft Roots and Ritual as a sensory experience to immerse the listener in a journey to uncover more about themselves within the cultural storytelling. Robin is also the co-founder of Kinder Studios, a female-led creative science studio which uses science to improve the power of art on human connection and well-being. Yasmin and Robin, welcome to Sound Science. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I'm super excited to hear more about the podcast, so I cannot wait. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you so much for having us. It's a real pleasure to be a guest on someone else's podcast. (laughs) Yeah, it's so wonderful to be here with you one day. And we're big fans of the show, so we're so pleased to share the sonic stage with you. Oh, that's so kind. I'm super excited to hear more about your podcast. So likewise, I have lots of questions I'd love to get into. So let's jump straight in. On today's episode, we are talking about the brain on habits and routine versus ritual and spirituality, which is why I'm so excited to talk to you about your new podcast, Roots and Ritual. It dives into the cultural lineages and convergences around ritual and how it can be applied to our daily lives. What I love about the podcast is that it brings in the science of what is going on in the body and in the brain, while also grounding it in the cultural relevance. Can you tell me a little bit about your individual origin stories and what brought you together to make this podcast? I'm Yasmin. I'm a musician and a DJ and a co-founder of the travel platform Trippin. Travel was a big influence in my life thanks to music and it's always been an entry point for me in most of my cultural exchanges, the, the language of music and the experience of music and it's connected me with a lot of people and places all over the world and find myself in some quite amazing places having some quite profound conversations with people and um, I've never liked whipping out the camera and trying to document things visually but I've been really drawn to recording conversations and having conversations with people so it's been quite nice since me and Robin got speaking about this podcast which came to be because she'd pitched an article to trip in about well-being practices and rituals around the world. The first one on her list was Temescal. And I've been going to the Temescal ceremony quite regularly in Mexico. So I kind of shared her enthusiasm on the subject and we got chatting and felt it could be really cool to expand on her initial concept, but make it something more immersive and sensory, kind of like an audio documentary. So it's been quite cool because for me it's where a lot of my interests collide in terms of like travel and culture and then on a personal level spirituality mythology psychology and just general human nature have been kind of big passions and curiosities for me so all of this is 
been able to come together through this podcast series and working with Robin on it has been such an experience too. And we've really connected over so many of these topics and just have had some amazing conversations on and off mic, you know, that have been really nourishing and kind of, especially in this time that we're in right now, it's given a lot of meaning and understanding and peace of mind to kind of deal with everything. That's great. It sounds like a very natural alignment. Robin, you have a really interesting background too. I'd love to know more about your origin story and also how your perspective came in. So I'm originally from Toronto and I moved to London like nine years ago now, which is kind of mental. And my background starts in the kind of music and communications and then through my own experiences with kind of yogic and somatic practices and my own personal creativity practice becoming a ceramicist on the side, it led me to open up a new dimension of myself, a new sense of creativity inside that I haven't experienced before. And I became really fascinated about what was happening behind those experiences, what, hap- what was happening been- between the brain and the body through those, which led me to neuroaesthetics. And so I'm really passionate about these everyday experiences that we have and how we can connect to the world and connect back to ourselves, whether that be through a more traditional creative of practice or something that falls outside of the realms of what you would kind of quote unquote called traditional creativity. So something like walking in nature or even having a conversation with a friend and how that can enrich you in a creative way. And obviously a lot of those things are rooted in rituals and how people from different cultures experience those things. And so when Trippin said they wanted to kind of turn this idea that I had into an audio experience, I was obviously incredibly elated because so much of my work with Kinda Studios, with neuroaesthetics, looks at this intersection of art and science and how we can use these kind of more multi-sensory experiences to shape the way we feel. And sonic experiences are no different. So to be able to storytell through this immersive audio experience in this podcast is just that. And to tell these stories with a range of contributors and experts, taking the listener on this immersive storytelling, I feel really grateful um, to be creating this alongside Yasmin and the wider trip and team. And a lot of the messages for the show are about education, you know, not only about the cultural lineages, but also how these rituals help us, you know, understand what's actually going on inside our brain and bodies when we're experiencing them. And to be able to provide that kind of educational piece through this artistic listening experience as well, we hope it will evoke more agency for the individuals to better understand not only the spiritual, but the mental and physiological and emotional aspects of these practices. And Yaz said, you know, the journey for us creating this together has been actually a really sacred ritual in itself. And, you know, we really hope that people can, you know, feel that essence through the experience and learn alongside us as we're exploring these elements together. I love that. There are so many natural convergences. And I think using audio as a way to put this out in the world is perfect and definitely is something that itself can be a ritual for many people. Without giving too much away, the first episode airs on March 9th and it's about Mexico's Moscow ceremony, which you touched on, Yaz. Um, I cannot wait to listen to it and I was hoping that you can share a little bit about this episode. Well, the, the Temescal is a, is a type of sweat lodge similar to Native American traditions, but it's rooted in the 
Aztec and myths of pre-colonial Mexico. And a temescal itself is a circular structure that represents the womb of Mother Earth. And it's where we undergo a sort of spiritual rebirth of sorts. And like inside the Temescal, it's a completely enclosed space, quite low ceilings. There's usually around like 10 people in there, more or less. It's a group activity, a group ritual. And um, inside the Temescal, you have a shaman that will be guiding the ceremony, creating steam by throwing this herbally infused water on volcanic rocks. And it gets extremely hot in there. You do a lot of sweating, which, as we know, is super restorative for the body. But on top of the physical benefits, there's a lot of rituals throughout the ceremony that are rooted in that beautiful indigenous wisdom that we're all connected to each other and to the elements, to nature, etc, etc. So yeah, it's a really awesome episode. We get to speak with an amazing woman called Lupita Maldonado, who's a shamana and the guardiana of Temescal Baduini in West Mexico. And it's just really special to hear her talk about the Temescal, talk about its origins, talk about the mythology and the folklore. And we're super grateful that she shared her wisdom and experience with us. And I've been really lucky to take part in her ceremonies before, and they've been really special moments in my life. So again, it's really nice to be able to bring people into this world of ritual and ceremony in a sort of intimate way. And as well, just trying to do it in a very respectful way. And in the way that a lot of these traditions, you know, a lot of indigenous and native traditions, they are orally led their storytelling so trying to keep where possible some things are in another language with Lupita she's speaking Spanish but we like to just include these parts of her voice and her speaking just to let her wisdom kind of shine through so it's a really nice episode she sings a medicine song for us and and gives us a lot of information and breakdown about what's going on inside our body and then also spiritually energetically and emotionally as well. I feel like it's such a privilege to have access to some of these indigenous rituals. I wonder how you came about your first experience. Well I guess it's more my connection to Mexico. As someone of dual heritage, not Mexican but half Iranian and half English, I've never had the chance to kind of return to my my father's land and have that cultural connection. So there's always been a part of me that's been seeking in a lot of my travels and I, for what I'm not entirely sure maybe it is a sense of belonging or something and and I don't know why but Mexico for me I have a very strong connection with this place a place I've spent a lot of time a place that I've had quite a lot of life-changing experiences on many different levels I've been really welcomed and developed real sense of community there and in the place where I spent a lot of time, a place called Ziwatanejo, there is a beautiful community, a lot of like health focused well-being. I mean, it's beautiful nature around there. And I was introduced by a friend who who was going to the Temascal ceremonies every Sunday. And uh, I went along and initially my Spanish was not very good. So I didn't really get to understand the full depth of the ritual and the experience. But of course, I felt the physical benefits and, and that kept me coming back. And the more that I've learned Spanish and the more that I've got to spend time with Lupita and hear her stories, just given the whole thing much more depth for me. And, and now when I can take part, it's a lot more intentional. And I think it's interesting because when we're from the Western world or however we want to call it, I think there is this feeling that when we engage in these practices or rituals, maybe in other cultures, that it's for this finding ourselves, you know, this sense of self-discovery. Mm -hmm. But in a lot of these cultures and traditions, what's most important for them and what they see as the reason for doing these rituals is for um, the betterment of the community. 
for everybody involved. So the more I've kind of got to know and got to learn from these experiences, it's kind of given my participation a whole new meaning. Like when you go into a Temescal, they have this, uh, you say, for me and all of my relations. And even just that small phrase has changed the game for me now when I even think about participating in any sort of ceremony or spiritual practice. It's just like, okay, it can't just all be about me. It has to be about how is bettering myself going to better everyone else around me. Well, I like the focus on the self, but also the self in relation to others. Ultimately, let's come back to the self. Robin, with your background in neuroaesthetics, I'm really curious about your thoughts and insights about these physical sensations that Yasmin has described. Are you going to be delving into that in the episode? Yeah, so we uncover a lot of the physiological benefits of the Temescal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's very few other ceremonial rituals that offer kind of the depth of treatment that sweat lodges do. And of course, we we see sweat lodges across multiple different cultures, whether that's the Russian Vanya, or you obviously have the Scandinavian saunas, and you know, other ones as well, they regulate and they balance and they purify and they cleanse and they regenerate and, and warm you and have, you know, deeply restorative impacts on your immune system and your parasympathetic nervous system, which offers that kind of relaxation and regeneration aspect of things. But it's a really embodied experience as a lot of these rituals are, you know, they're a full sensory immersion in the sweat lodge. It's not only those physical properties, but we have the singing and the drumming and the copal from the smoke, which we go into in the episode. And it's all of those kind of multi-sensory elements together that take you on a journey of kind of collective and individual transformation. And one of the aspects that comes up in this Temescal episode, which, you know, is a recurring theme across all of the rituals we explore is the sense of collective community that Yaz explained. And I was in Mexico in 2019 and made sure I experienced a Temescal. And it was a really transformative experience for me. And it wasn't easy. You know, it's it's pretty tough. It gets really, really hot in there. And there's that sense of community of sharing it with others that allows you to get through it. And I think a lot of people have experienced this in any other sort of collective experience, you know, whether that's just a yoga class. I mean, people can probably experience it now. We're all doing Zoom yoga or something on your own, a personal physical practice. It's really hard to do it for more than like 30 minutes minutes on your own. When you go to that class, you have that group energy to bring you up. And so we talk about the things like the physiological synchronicity that bonds you, you know, when your heart beats and train with one another and when your mm-hmm. physiological responses match one another's, it forms like a social glue between you and an interpersonally close relationship. And, you know, actually in indigenous cultures, they use sweat lodges to complement group counseling sessions, to form that group cohesion. And it's sometimes an overlooked aspect. Well, maybe not anymore because we all miss that sense of group bonding and, you know, human connection. But that form of connection to ourselves and others and also the natural world around us is really fundamental to our well-being. And so a lot of those elements come into play here. And something that's really interesting is throughout the series, you know, we obviously tap into the individual cultural origin stories of each one, but so many of them are so much more similar than we think. You know, it's the sense of bonding, the human connection, the the personal meaning making, our experience in the world. It's the foundation for loads of rituals and it's just expressed in multiple beautiful different embodied ways. I 
cannot wait for this episode. It's really resonating with me because you mentioned Yasmin, the Russian banya, the Turkish spa. It's something that I had been doing with my mum since I was 12. I knew the physical benefits and I could feel them in my body. And, you know, it became something that was very bonding between my mother and I. So that's the first episode. Your podcast is going to touch on many incredible cultural rituals. So I was hoping that you could speak a little bit about the upcoming rituals and why you chose them. Yeah, sure. Yes, we'll give you a little preview into each one, which we've had between the two of us, a real connection to all of the ones we've explored. So episode two looks at Shinrin-yoku, which is Japanese forest bathing, and it's really a sense of nature immersion. Obviously, the sense of nature immersion is so beneficial for so many right now. And what it is, is just going out in nature and having a full embodied experience and tuning into those finer details in nature. And it's kind of this refined listening, refined seeing and feeling. And it's this experience where our bodies are our sensorial organs that, you know, walk in the world. Our bodies are how we experience the world, but we walk around our days with our minds. And in Shinrin-yoku, we're asked to put our body over our minds in a way that we can experience the world and nature completely completely differently. And there's loads of science to support the impact of nature on ourselves, you know, restoration theory that restores our attention, loads of theories that, you know, explain through studies about our reduction in cortisol levels, which is our stress response, even if we have, you know, plants in our homes. So there's loads of ways that we can integrate these things. But the main message of Shinrin-yoku for this time, especially, is that whenever we're all going on our daily walks in whatever kind of phase of lockdown you might be in, in your respective places, you know, you can go on those walks differently you know Yasmin kind of said to me after we recorded this episode like every time she goes on a walk now she experiences it differently and she pays attention to those little micro details a little bit more and understands how it's affecting her and with this episode it's really special to us because there are so many lessons that we can draw from nature and the way that mm-hmm. forests interact with each other and the way that they give back to each other. And there's a sense of collective empathy that we can evoke and learn from the nature that we walk in and how we can give back to each other and be a bit more soft and human with one another and the living world. We also talk about the cosmos, which is a huge topic in one of the upcoming episodes. This one's really exciting, something that Everyone can connect to the sky and the stars, you know, whether you believe in astrology or astronomy, it's something that permeates and and connects us all. And our relationship with the stars dates back really to the very beginning of time. And ancient civilizations, you know, invented time tracking through the stars over hundreds of years. And it was the first maths ever invented. Like, it's a crazy thing to think that they came up with all this technology through literally just mapping the stars over hundreds of years. And of course, there is this astrology and astronomy divide that happened and a lot of the research which looked into kind of the impacts of the stars and the moon and the planets on our bodies got shunned but regardless of where you fall on that kind of spectrum of science or spirituality philosophy awe and wonder is something that connects all of us to the greater experience of this vast landscape of the sky and so no matter if you believe in universal consciousness or straight matter and physics awe is something that we experience when we look up at the world and we just think, wow, I'm I'm this small kind of microcosm on this mm-hmm. huge planet of the cosmos. And it shows that it increases our nature relatedness, our ability to care for the environment and 
reduces our focus on ourselves. So it reduces our activity in the default mode network, which is the same experience actually that we have when we take a lot of psychedelics. And actually studies show that when we experience awe, we feel smaller and people actually sign their signatures smaller, which I find really interesting. It's kind of crazy. Right now we're all glued to our smartphones and our screens and we're not looking up at the sky as much. And so again, like no matter where you fall in your belief system, just looking up at the stars can actually hold so much meaning and resonance for yourselves. And again, it's going back to that empathy. People who experience awe have been shown to have more desires to help their neighbors and care about one another. And so if we can just help people understand that looking up at the moon or the sky is so fundamental to themselves, then I think that that could go a really long way. Yeah, for sure. And um, one of the other episodes that I'm really excited about too is our one on capoeira. Now, capoeira is many things. It's martial art, it's dance, it's a game of skill and strategy and also a form of storytelling that has become part of Brazil's cultural heritage, but its roots are in Africa. And uh, it was brought to Brazil with Africans during slavery at the beginning of the 16th century. And it became a way for them to preserve their history and their stories through movement because they weren't allowed to keep written documents, transcripts, or sacred texts with them. So this movement and expression, part dance, part martial art, became preservation and also protection because to the slave owners, it looked like they were just dancing. But actually the mm. movements and the skills and techniques were keeping their bodies trained and sharp to be able to protect themselves being in a completely new environment under the circumstances that they were. The origins of Copuera are pretty incredible and it's practiced to this day and has so many devotees and sort of offshoots and different styles across the world. And in our episode on Capoeira, we speak to an amazing person called Puma Camille from Brazil who's fusing Capoeira with voguing. And he's connected these two sort of movement dance-based practices through their liberating nature you know voguing and ballroom is a way that the lgbtq plus community have preserved and protected and uplifted their culture the same way that capoeira has done for people as well so it's really interesting to see how rituals and practices have evolved over time but that the kind of core intentions uh, remain the same, you know? I love that it's going to incorporate voguing into it. This is fast becoming one of my favorite podcasts and I haven't <laughs> even listened to it yet. I love all of these ideas that you're bringing together. I've been reflecting on ritual a lot recently, which is why I'm so happy that we could come together and talk a little bit. I recently finished a class led by two amazing souls, Anise Hines and Naomi Matt, which was called Full Bodied Expression as Public Health, a focus on hip magic. And it was hosted by a cultural organization here in LA called Naval as part of their assemblies program, which is a group learning program that has been going for a few years. And my personal reflection centered on the negative rituals that I have developed around the suffering that I experience with my severe menstrual cramps and trying to turn that around and see how I can empower myself to create more positive healing rituals to remedy my pain. So I'm really curious as to what are some of your intentional rituals that you both have that you've been practicing in your own lives? 
Well, kind of inspired by partly the Temescal and also Mexico's Day of the Dead culture where they have their ofrendas or their altars. And just as well, this kind of concept of sacred space, I like to keep just a table, a small space where I'll keep fresh flowers and a little cup of water and just like, you know, ofrenda, I put like some seeds or leaves, whatever, just a little space that I tend to. And I try and start my day there and end my day there. And even sometimes like I have a lamp on the table too and sometimes at night I'm like oh I'm too tired I don't want to get up and go over and and have a little debrief of the day but I kind of push myself to do it and it's always brings me back to myself and just having this sacred space has been a new little ritual for me as well I've been really inspired by Japanese tea ceremonies and although I'm not making like dainty little cups of tea, I'm making huge, big like buckets of tea to keep me warm <laughs> at the minute. But um, I, I've been really into like loose leaf teas and making my own blends. And so like in the Japanese tea ceremonies, like the making of tea becomes a spiritual practice and like each cup of tea, you know, should be treasured because it can never be made again. And there's a lot of principles of like harmony, respect, purity, tranquility. And so, like I said, I'm making a lot of tea. <laughs> I'm just trying to make it a little bit more special. I'm using a lot of different herbs, you know, trying to find little blends that work for me and just making some of the everyday acts a little bit more sacred, I guess. I've been to one Japanese tea ceremony before and it was so beautiful and I am the same, Yasmin. I also have become more intentional about how I make tea and it's become part of my daily ritual. Robin, do you have any rituals that you do? Yeah, so I always have some morning rituals. The morning is is kind of my sacred time. I think it's the silence before the world wakes up and I feel like I need time to connect to myself before I can present myself and offer my fullest self in the world. And so those morning rituals like different, you know, various yogic meditation writing practices and each month or season might look different, but to have that time for myself in the morning to kind of connect is really important. I think the bath is a kind of sacred ritual for me as somebody with a very kind of like active person personality in mind. It's hard for me to switch off. And the bath seems like the only place for me that I can just be and not do anything and not feel fidgety and just exist. And that again, like all these rituals for me, it sounds like they're all kind of about bringing some silence into my world. But I was really kind of inspired by your story about turning these like negative rituals into something more positive. And perhaps it isn't negative, but um, I have pretty wild hair and pretty <laughs> like crazy and frizzy and it takes a lot of taming and maintenance. And I think I have gone on my own journey of accepting my wild frizzy hair and taking care of my hair is a whole ritual in itself to condition it and do all my different treatments and stuff is a whole experience and that can seem like a chore flipping that on its head and seeing it as kind of sacred time to give back to myself to infuse my hair with moisture and connect to the energy that exists in my hair and I read last year the book Don't Touch My Hair where they talk about all the mm -hmm. African rituals of different hair care and how women used to sit with their mothers and for three hours they would braid their hair and that was their time to just bond and talk and connect and chill and I think before I used to kind of be like oh what a burden like I have to do this and to reframe that as kind of time to give back to myself and my sacred hair that's beautiful in its own way is kind of turning that 
chore into something sacred. And I think when we're thinking about chores and routines and habits and rituals and the difference in delineation between all those things, a lot of it is about the intention that you put into it and the meaning that you attribute to it. So things that might seem like a burden can become blessings. Do you think it's possible to turn all routines into rituals? For example, I use essential oils in the shower, I drip it around and I let the steam carry the scent. And I do that while I listen to a podcast every morning. So I wonder, does that count? Do you think that everything can be a ritual? Yeah, I think it again it's it's all about the meaning that you attribute to it. I mean, the the actual definition of ritual in the dictionary is a religious or solemn ceremony consisting of a series of actions performed according to a prescribed order, which sounds very like there's a lot of rules involved, but I kind of take guidance from Lupita in the Temescal episode. When I asked her what are the essential elements in a Temescal, like what must it have? And she's like you know, all these concepts of form and structure is ego. It's a creation of the ego. And like, what's most important is your intention. And so I think that, you know, if you're in the shower and you're using your essential oils and listening to a podcast, now you could just be doing that or you could be entering into that experience, going into it consciously and saying, you know, I'm doing this because I know it's going to make me feel good. I know I'm going to be able to go out there and do great work in the world. I'm going to be able to show up for my community. I'm going to be able to show up for my people, show up for myself. And I think it's all about the, the meaning that we imbue on our routines to make them rituals. I think rituals have a really amazing way as well for giving us a chance to stop and just take note and also passages of time you know rituals around the the solstice or I don't know birthdays even you know like just this passage of time and or point to to come back to and just see you know how time has passed and acknowledge the turning of seasons and and stuff like that so I think again anything can can become a ritual if you if you make it sacred I'm so excited for the launch of your podcast on the 9th I cannot wait to listen and I am so glad that I been able to have you both on the show for the audience who want to subscribe or follow the podcast where should they go it'll be available anywhere you listen to your podcast so apple podcast spotify or anchor wherever you listen it's roots and ritual and you can find all the details for the launch of the show at trippin.world on instagram and we have if you want to email us if anyone wants to suggest or talk about rituals or their experiences with they can hit us up on roots and ritual at tripping.world we want to hear from people (laughs) thank you both so much for being guests on sound science i feel like there are so many things that we share and interested in and i'm really glad that we could have a little chat thank you so much yuande thanks for having us we love chatting with you yes and we love your (laughs) podcast it's a real pleasure to be on your podcast too we'll have to have you you on roots and rituals soon yes oh yes i i accept already (laughs) (laughs) perfect That's all, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. For show notes, you can go to the website, www.soundsciencepodcast.com. I don't say this enough, but I'd love to hear from you and what you think of the show. So please use the Say Hi tab and let me know and say hey. The show will be archived in a few days via the Lab website if you want to share it. And the podcast version will also be available via iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts next week. And check out Roots and Ritual Podcasts, which is also available next week. 
A little shout out to my partner, Brandon, who came through with some excellent suggestions for the playlist this month. If you want to listen to this playlist or the playlist for any other shows, then you can find Sound Science Music on Spotify. Oh, and one last thing. I had the amazing opportunity to help make a six-part series called Music On My Mind with John Legend for Headspace. And the three episodes I did on how music can help improve stress, fitness, and memory will be available on John Legend's YouTube channel at 9am PST on Thursday, March the 4th, and then the following week, March the 11th. And then a couple of weeks after that, March 25th. But check out the whole series, including episodes on emotion, energy, and sleep. The first two are already out and they are released weekly over the next few weeks, over the next six weeks. So that's all for now. Have a great month and I will see you next time.